in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. All in your mind. In your mind. Hey, hey, everybody. It's another All in Your Mind. I'm Rick Rowan, and across from me is... Dwayne Beeman. And we're here to talk with author and actor, Mr. Michael John Casey. Right. Hey, listeners. And when you heard that word author and the words uh, Michael John Casey associated with one another, that means we're going to talk about the Graphic Audio original Western series, Owl and Spencer. Right. Not Owl and Spence. Yeah. But Owl and Spencer. Owl and Spencer. Owls and Spencers. Owls in space. <laughs> So, uh, so uh, welcome, MJ. Uh, Thanks, sir. We call him MJ, but you know. Yeah, yeah. So uh, other things. Yeah, among right. other things. <laughs> so uh, let's let's dive in. Uh, we got uh, two books uh, in the series that are that are out there, ready to listen to at www.graphicaudio.net. There you go. Book one it was called and is called the beginning of the end, mm-hmm. and book two is called a fine line. That is correct. And uh, let's talk a little bit, uh, MJ, why don't you give us uh, a, a summary of the premise of the series? Yeah, um, the, some of the premise uh, is that there are uh, two lawmen, a uh, local sheriff and a U.S. marshal uh, in a town in Colorado, uh, in Leadville, Colorado, in uh, the late 1870s. Okay. And uh, they're, it's kind of like a mix of a Western and mystery, or excuse me, Western mystery. A mystery. <laughs> a it's a Western mystery, and it's a crime procedural. Right. Yeah, it's like, you know, here's this crime. We need to solve it. Here it goes, you know, like, they're piecing things together like you would see on any other crime procedural. Or Except a lot of those conventions didn't exist yet, right? They're inventing well, as they go. Uh, some of them are. I mean, some of them is like, you know, trying to figure out how a crime was committed. Like, oh, with, uh, in, um, in a fine line, or excuse me, in, in, a, in the first book, The Beginning of the End, uh, just from looking at what they see in front of them, they're like, wait a minute, something's not li- lining up here. And they kind of piece together how a crime was committed when they don't have all the information. It's not like they don't, it's not that they're chasing down, you know, DNA evidence. <laughs> right. Like no, there were no fingerprints. Right. And if you don't have eyewitness accounts, how do you figure something out? And yeah. deductive and inductive reasoning were a thing for years. So it's not like I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel. Um, I'm just kind of taking those approaches of either a, you know, a really sharp local sheriff and uh, a U.S. Marshal who's come from the East Coast and been transferred to Colorado because Colorado has just become a state. Mm. So they have to have, uh, they put in there a new U.S. Marshal. A federal jur- representation. Yeah, for that yeah. jurisdiction. Yeah. That's cool. That's, cool. A, that's, a, that's a neat premise. Yeah, so you're saying this is like the... Simon and Simon of West, Park <laughs> Castle and McCormick. Uh, if you if you want to if you want to duel an eighties TV show, <laughs> yeah. you know, I'm in the wrong place because I will crush you. The Airwolf of Westerns. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna you're gonna bottom out at like you yeah. know, Medicine Quinn, you know, where Doctor Quinn Medicine Woman, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna 
you got to you got to the uh, you got to the Simon and Simon early, but I go back as far as Barnaby Jones. Barnaby Jones, right? Yeah, Streets of San Francisco. That's that's McMillan's wife too. Right, the relationship between um, the sheriff and his wife is a bit McMillan and wife. Oh, okay, cool. For some reason, that's not the first time Barnaby Jones has come up in an All in Your Mind podcast. No, 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 no. We we forgot to hit the line of quit so uh, and talk about the characters talk about the our, our two main protagonists what who who are alan spencer yeah uh, alan spencer is the uh, the voice of owl uh, who is i was a nickname given right. to the sheriff by uh u.s marshal deputy marshal edward spencer he gives him this nickname because he's always watching and looking and you don't see you rarely see him actively do something to you know break up a crime or do this so this guy has got an amazing sense of being able to watch and be patient right and so in a drunken stupor the marshal calls him a dumb old owl and that and it sticks, sticks. It sticks yeah. with him mm. and so cool. uh, the voice of uh of sheriff jacob gannon who is owl uh that's terrence aselford one of our regulars here oh yeah who does a bang-up job uh just nailing who this character is. You can't go he, wrong with Terrence. Yeah, he yep. crushes it. Yep. Uh, there's been a number of responses, at least online, of people saying how much they like his work in this. And uh, yeah. I think I think also when I was writing it, I was thinking, who would I cast? Of course I know who I would cast. <laughs> <laughs> and so after a while, I knows started his way around the western. thinking about how Terrence would deliver lines. And so when we go to record, I didn't, you know, the, the level of direction I had to give was so minimal because... You know, you put a comma here, and I know how, you know, knowing how Terrence speaks and how he thinks, because I've worked with him a bunch, I knew that where I drop a comma, he'd know how that pause should be hit. Yeah. You know? So it was a very, very easy. So uh, uh, these are unusual circumstances for an author. You you are... I wrote direct to script. You wrote, and you were yeah. casting as you wrote I was in your not, mind or not? The, the main parts, I think, uh, I had decided way back that I was going to cast myself as U.S. Deputy Marshal Edward right. Spencer. Uh, but apart from Terrence, that was it. I hadn't made a decision at all. But you did have Terrence in mind. I did have Terrence okay. in mind. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because my first thought was, I'm like, you know, of, of the people that we have, uh, who, whose voice and, you know, who I think really kind of like gets some of that. That kind of uh, right. strong yet crusty. It was like this is not a uh, comment on Terrence. He is not crusty at all. But he, could, <laughs> but he could do crusty. But he can do crusty. Like, oh yeah, for days. <laughs> and so, we don't uh, mean the clown. So <laughs> I knew that his performance was going to kind of hit it out of the park. And then other characters, as I was writing them, uh, I even changed their names. I was writing, and then like I was halfway sure. through writing the first book when I decided to cast Nora Ashradi as Lenora Tate. Mm. And then I was like, well, let me just change her name. And I'll, I'm uh, uh, so Lenora, I guess, in, in uh, is considered the Nora, <laughs> right? Uh, so it like, yes. became like a, a joke to me. Like I was like, right. you know, it's just a shorthand because I didn't Little really bit. have a name for it yet. That's cool. But uh, I knew I wanted uh, Nora Shradi to play that part because again, she's one of these really good actors who I like using a lot. In fact. Everyone who's a regular in the town are people who I know I want to go back to. I can always... Uh, They're graphic audio regulars. Yeah, no, graphic audio. But also people I know, I don't have to uh, uh, There's a shorthand. You don't yeah, have to explain anything. Yeah, also that they have so much experience that it's their work is, is already proven. Yeah. Uh, you play you play Miller Jackson, right. who works at the bank. Right. And it's like, and because of some of the legal as well as financial issues that happen in the first two books, we have to know... 
all this information about the history of Colorado and, and America, like who could have a bank account and how does land get right. transferred and, and you know, who has... Exposition of... Yes, and, of, it's, and so I wanted to have those characters, they have to be solid or else you're, you know, you know making sometimes boring information interesting, interesting to the facet of the story is... You know, it's a challenge into itself. Well, and one way to do that is to give it to a character. And, and true, true, true. Yeah. And, and also to someone who's going to know how to sell it. Mm. Like, um, uh, looks like any TV show or any movie or anything with a performance, you might see a great actor, but be have them have horrible things to say. Right. Like, that don't make any sense, or the mm. sound off, or, or the yeah. performance is weak because the script is weak. And I needed to kind of boost that information dump as it were yeah with really good acting and actors. Cool. now when you okay so so you didn't have it cast on the first book but on the second book you the yeah. regulars were in, the place. Regulars were all in place so did that affect your writing of the second book could you no. hear them when you were doing the dialogue well, or? i think i was focusing more on uh how i wanted the arc to be mm -hmm. because there is it, there's almost like a double ending on the second book Hmm. Like, you know, the main arc of what's happening in the town. And then there's like a, um, there's an epilogue at the very end, uh, a scene that happens outside of the, outside of Colorado. But before that, and after the general arc, there's another short scene that happens in Denver. So like, it's almost like there's this false ending. And I knew I wanted to put that in there before the epilogue. So, um, so to focus more on the arc of the story and how I fit that short little Denver scene in there was kind of more the focus than the um, than the casting. Hmm. Yeah, and sometimes uh, I'll even... Uh, as what happened with the second book, uh, uh, an actor suddenly was unavailable that uh. I decided I wanted to use. So I had to go back and reconfigure who was going to play what and yeah that can have a domino effect in casting a little bit yeah i had to go back and look and see like okay well who does this dialect really well because it was dialect specific right and this wasn't an actor that was in the previous book or was it they were in the previous book but as a character who who wasn't oh okay back. okay right so to have them you know now suddenly in there or to change their assignment like they had other roles within the context right. of book two but then to have to change it on something that's very specific and something i needed was was kind of crucial it's a unique thing to be able to take an original story that you can really manipulate and yeah. and and tailor right. to what we do, because um, that's usually not the case. I mean, uh, so so I, it's an interesting process. It's I can imagine it's a little overwhelming at times. I think when you like you're. Uh Let's say you're 20 pages into a 200-page script. Yeah. You feel like it's all over yet. You're, yeah. You're, you're ne it's never going to end. It's, it's, and, the know, road is, is the all road in is front of you. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes you, I, I have a series of notes that I keep uh, always open about where I want to go. So mm. it's not like I don't know how to get there. I just need to know what I what I want to say on, on the journey. Right. And so I, as long as I have that open, it's kind of like... You know, I'll, I know that uh, this scene's got to move on. It's got to build to that scene. So once you start putting things together, it kind of moves a little faster. But sometimes uh, in the middle of writing a scene, I'll come up with an idea to connect two pieces of information or to, to connect yeah. characters or to make uh, another scene have more depth that I hadn't thought of. And sometimes I think any amount of writing, as you're working on it, you're coming up with stuff. You don't have it all written. Oh, in your for head. sure. You yes, have to. You're, you're, you have to fill in. You're constantly changing and adapting and stuff. Yeah, and then sometimes it's like I'll go back and reread uh, re what I'd read, and I'm like, 
what was I thinking? That's a terrible piece of dialogue, you know. Or that's got to go, or that's yeah, yeah, better yeah. like that. Or, you know. Do you have you uh, do you have you ever had to move scenes around? Have you done any of uh, playing with the structure? Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. I moved stuff around in in book two mm -hmm. a little bit, like one or two scenes, uh, just because I wanted to focus. I wanted the audience as they're listening to go from like say scene one to scene three because of how they build and. And sometimes you want to like you know put things together so the audience can put together the mystery, right? And then sometimes it's like no, they're not going to get that information because they never. I mean, like only when you you when you can know everything would you be able to know that this is happening that, right after on the other side of town. Oh, okay. And I'm like no, we would never find that out until this character that we're following finds it out from right. somebody else. Right. So that moment can't happen, you know, right then and there. And so, right. Well, if you're a, structuring a mystery, that yeah, has yeah. a that has a difference. So I think that was a whole other thing where it was like I'm trying to figure out how I want how I want the information to happen, and how right. I want to structure the mystery as opposed to uh, you know jumping back and forth between cuts, as it were. Right. And um, also something in book two is that uh, having to do with uh, uh, an influx of Chinese immigrants into America at the time. Mm. Um, there is all of this Mandarin that has no translation. Right. Because if we're going to be, even though the, the, the narrator is, uh, is third person and omniscient, I don't want the characters, I don't ever want the characters or the, the listener to be ahead of the characters on the right. mystery. Uh, so mm. I didn't want them to be able to know. Now, if you happen to speak Mandarin and you have downloaded this book, <laughs> you know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. But sometimes it's interesting to me to not have that. Because then it forces those people who are, are in that situation to have to, they get it. You know, they'll right. understand, like, they're talking about that other guy. You know, we don't necessarily need there to be a shared look that we can't see because it's, you know, it's in our ear. But we can know that what's being discussed is happening. And so I had one of our actors. Yeah, that's a great resource. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one of our actors who, um, who speaks fluent Mandarin. And had actually had his mother help him transcribe it for me. Oh, wow. So I sent him the script nice. ahead of time. We got the transcription. That's and awesome. And when I had to recast, I had to like spoon feed an actor who does not speak Mandarin. Right. Wow. Uh, a few lines. And that is yeah. That's Chinese is a tonal language. If yeah. you change the pitch, it's completely. Uh, AI, it's, yeah. it's a well. Let's like just hope I got it right. It's <laughs> and you know nobody's ordering the there number might be, four. There might be yeah. some Chinese people listening who <laughs> yeah. are snickering. Uh, yeah, but they're like, he got on a horse. He said he took his horse, and then they. They colored comic books. What was, that? what was he saying? That's not what he said. Well, you know, it's a it's a more than good faith effort on our yeah, part yeah. to uh, to yeah. to be. Uh, well, I think that, and also, with, uh, and that's Kachuf, but like that's going to be the real challenge uh, for uh, the the next book is that um, I or excuse me for the short. Yeah, I, we I should talk a, about that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I have um, there's going to be an Alan Spencer short. It's going to be one side. It's going to be a little over an hour. Uh, it's going to be broken up into two parts for the podcast, and one of the facets of it is that um, I'm introducing uh, some n Native American characters, some Ute Indians, and I need, you know, I'm working on getting some Ute translated. Wow. Yeah. Because, you know, the character who they inter uh, interact with would never, would never, you know, suddenly speak English. You know? Right. There's no way. There is someone who does speak both languages, but they're not on the trail when they run into this guy. So you have a resource uh, with a tribe, yeah, or uh, it was, yes, it's it's uh, it's a bit fuzzy at this yeah, point. Yeah, well, 
trying to navigate getting the, the line so that I can at least have them uh, on a track that I can then spoon feed to the See, actors. that's like an, an extra challenge for you as an author because you're not, you, you can't just, uh, you know, transliterate, write something on a page and say close enough or whatever, or, or you can't even get away with saying they spoke in yeah, <laughs> this yeah. language. Because our listeners and, and the way we structure our books, generally they expect to hear what we're being told is heard. Yeah. Uh, so, so at least... Well, a, that's a struggle for the character in the scene is that he doesn't know and he's mm -hmm. trying to communicate. And what I, the point I'm making with that scene is that the, the, the Ute Indian and the Marshal, they have a shared experience. They both have suffered this tremendous loss in their lives. And what, and what that, that part of that scene's about is the Marshal trying to make a connection with this Ute warrior by the connection of their grief over the loss of their spouse. Wow. So it's like he's trying to make a connection to him to let him know that, like, we're not enemies. So we're friends, and this is the reason why we're friends because we both understand this 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 pain. It's it's so it's not just a transfer of information; yeah. it's an emotional. It's connection. an emotional connection that they're having. Let's let's back up real quick yeah. and 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 uh, reintroduce our our audience to the concept that we're talking about a, a brand new story coming out very soon. Yep. A brand new story uh, coming it, out through the gap. It'll be coming out the end of uh, April, beginning of May. And it'll be heard on the on Graphic the Audio Western Story Pod. Podcast. Yep, Gasp Western. Cool. And which you have been hosting for the past... Uh, last two what months. Last two yeah. months. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Last two months as the character of Clay Porter. Right. Yeah, yeah. And we have... And your and Alan Spencer has been serialized on the podcast in yeah, the past. Yeah, that was the first it, thing we serialized with right. the podcast yeah. was the first Alan Spencer book. Right, right, yeah. right. And was did it, it was the second one on a podcast? No, no. no. Okay, no, no, no. so they so you guys have to go buy that one. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, it's interesting because there was some I can't remember the name uh, uh, of the, the magazine that referenced. Um, it was a review of Alan Spencer one. It says, and if you're going to listen to it, you should go ahead and listen to it as the as the serial first as the as the podcast version. You get a taste. Yeah, to get a taste, but that's a great way. And one of the reasons is because once we had. Uh, once we had recorded and produced it, the designer and I went back, and we had then had to recut it. Right. Uh, so in a way, it was written not only as the standalone uh, uh, large, you know, form that it right. was, but also it was written to be broken up into a small bit to serialize. Yeah, yeah that's so, good. Uh, the tempo of it, and it kind of builds that way. Which is, we got lucky. That's pretty yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Well, now, you, now, now that listeners know we're talking about the short story that's coming. Right. Uh, what's the name of it? Uh, it's just uh, it's an Alan Spencer short. Okay. Talisman. 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 Okay. And uh, do we have a date that that's going to drop, Dwayne? Do we know? Uh, the first part of it's supposed to drop. Probably last week of April, right? Yeah, last week of okay. April. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So look for that soon. Yeah, absolutely. So what do we want to do about questions? Do you want to answer questions? We well, yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, you got, got okay. Some questions it, from the it, internet. Into Dwayne and I will just sit back here and yeah, uh, and, let, and and let, let MJ, MJ talk to himself. To himself. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, me. Hey, you're looking good. Oh, thank you, me. You are a stud. All right. So these are questions. Uh, set this up again. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we put out uh, an email about. Um, if you had any questions for me uh, regarding work at Graphic Audio or um, or the Alan Spencer series, so just email them to us. And we got a couple that we picked out. Uh, Todd Lenz. Todd, how's it going? Todd asks, do you prefer stage acting versus writing, or is it not even comparable? And can you explain your motivation behind your new Alan Spencer series? Well, let me answer the <laughs> second part first. 
Um, the motivation was purely uh, working here at Graphic Audio. Uh, there was like a couple of, you know, every once in a while you run into a scene and you're like, I don't like this. Or like, you know, you, you as the director are trying to craft it into into a really good, not, not every book is a great audio book. And that's what right. what we do in crafting them and kind of like, you know, getting, sometimes we'll alter a scene a little bit or a change a line or just, you know, the wording alone. Because words you read on the page don't always have the impact mm-hmm. in the ear. No. So like something that we do is changing things here and there. So I started thinking about like, why don't, instead of complaining about it in my head or, <laughs> you know, in the air, why don't I just write something and put my money where my mouth was? Right. And so uh, I, during a weekend, I just decided what are in- what's interesting to me. Do I like, uh, and I like mysteries and I like crime. I watch a lot, I've watched a ton of crime television. Yeah. Streets of San Francisco. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and I, I wanted to think, well, that's one thing, but what is really interesting to me when you're dealing with those, that theme? And it's like issues of relationships, whether it's husbands and wives, fathers and sons. Um, how do we deal with grief and loss? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, infatuation versus obsession. I made this gigantic list of things, and sometimes I'd be like, "Yes, eh, no," or you know, I'd start <laughs> right. checking things. And then I thought, well, uh, uh, of all the things, instead of going and deciding to do some amazing world building, uh, I decided to use uh, the Western format, a uh, Western genre mm-hmm. and uh and then it came down to what kind of a story do i want to create is it going to be like standalone individual titles you know individual stories or is it something with a larger arc and i decided right. on the latter and decided that i wanted the whole thing all this you know all the books are all connected in a specific way hmm. and so i wrote this treatment for a, a nine release series and then uh i wrote it up and i handed it to Dwayne, and i said hey, take a look at this tell me what you think and then Dwayne didn't tell me what he thought. He handed, it to, he handed it to our vice president, Angie. And then later on that day, she was like, yeah, let's do this. So, cool. Um, so, yeah, I decided that I wanted to put my money where my mouth was about stories and about storytelling. And uh, that's what was it. Have you ever had any inspira- um, inspirations of uh, writing, like, when you were younger? Or, yeah, I've written, or, yeah. like, I tried to write, a, like, a book when I was younger and I was just like I, I lost a lot of steam on it and I've written uh, uh, two really terrible plays when I was in college and, did they get uh, produced? no yeah. no yeah. 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 Luckily, I, the best place for them is a landfill <laughs> <laughs> not on stage well you were and, young and then I, like, I've written a lot of shorts like like, like monologues or um, right. essays uh, and I, I found that like being trying to be witty and being funny was or, or focusing on things that really upset me or made me want to focus on them was where I should stay mm-hmm. and like some of the issues in for the characters in Alan Spencer was what really got me interested in them like I wrote um, I wrote a, a political piece years ago like I want to say the early aughts and it was a response to something that was going on in the government and it was filled with jokes but it was something that bugged me so I like, yeah. wrote this thing and I sent it to the people I worked with in this office years ago now i didn't realize that someone was eventually going to forward it to somebody else who didn't work with us yeah this woman um she uh she worked for a former senator so she forwarded to him and then he forwarded it to people on the hill and then you know so then like it kind of got away from me and i was like hey don't mean to offend anybody yeah yeah a little too late but I (laughs) i ended up writing uh jokes for a senator for a little while 
Oh, oh that's cool. Wow. For, yeah. for speeches? For speeches. And I, for like a short, like he'd call me to an office and I'd show up and he was like, hey, I need a joke about this or, you know, I need a joke about this. Can you find out? Something? And I was like, and I, my first, uh, the answer, I was like, how mean do you want to be? Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. we can go yeah. really mean on yeah. this if you want. And, yeah. You know, and it was just, you know, some of it was for the alfalfa group, uh, alfalfa, um, alfalfa group or whatever they call it. Yeah, that grouping of senators where they all get together and they make fun of each other. Oh, okay. And there's yeah, a few uh, other things. And so writing writing punchlines and stuff for uh, for a former senator, which is cool. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. That is cool. All so right. That, well, did, but you didn't answer uh, the first part about comparing it to... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. the first part is uh, stage acting, which I've done uh, a plethora of, and or is writing... 90. Well, they can't compete because they can't compare. They're yeah, really yeah, comparable. yeah. I think, but you could compare stage acting to the kind of acting you do. Totally, the microphone. I totally do that. Yeah, yeah. And I think the there's just a different level of subtlety. Yeah, I'm like you're working with the physicality. You have to stand when you're on stage. You're like you have your physicality, you have your voice, you have the tone, the volume, and all that stuff. And you also have to stand in your light. Yep. Yeah, you have to be wearing your costume correctly. Like yep. there's a whole other stuff. You're where, blocked. Yeah. 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 You've got yeah. to like all that stuff. And so when you're behind the mic, it's literally like you have to make. All those decisions with just your voice, yeah, and and your pacing, and uh, it helps if the if the words are good. If, you know, you also get to rehearse good. the stage stuff. Yeah, you also get to rehearse. <laughs> well, that's something that like I found that um, when we all prepare, when we get our scripts ahead of time, I still do this uh, the night before. I have to. Go, I'll look at the script. I'll look over my lines, and then the night before I'm scheduled to record, I print out all my lines if it's not too many. Right. Or I'll have it on a screen or something. And I'll just find two or three ways to say each line. And then right. just keep those in my head. So that when I come in... And you say them out loud? Yeah, totally yeah, say them yeah, out loud. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, okay, nah, and then I'll say it again. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm like, well, maybe the operative word is here. I'm like, well, they did put a comma there. You know, it's like you, you need to um, have your mind around what's happening. That helps you to understand what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, but as far as um, writing, I think like when when you're acting, you're telling your character's story, and when you're writing, you're telling everybody's story. Right. So there is a certain level of being able to right change focus and alter focus of what's more important versus yeah. like uh, especially writing directed graphic audio. If I'm putting somebody at the far end of the room, whose then voice has to be sound different, we have to be able to hear it in the distance. Like you're creating focus for not only the character who's listening to that person but for the listener to know how important it is is it that we can hear that person from the back of the room yeah so like yeah. you know we're creating that can i piggyback on that real quick because because yeah. the interesting thing to me is how being a writer and then directing your own mm -hmm. writing how there there's the inherent advantage obviously in that as a director you know that script better than you will know any other script right. mm -hmm. uh but at the same time a fresh voice uh, of an existing script, uh, you know, a director coming in and can see a script fresh as opposed to having lived with it through the whole writing process can sometimes add things that you just inherently won't be able to get because you're so close to you're so, it. Yeah, you're way close so, to so it's kind of a trade-off, I think, well, in that, some ways. That comes back to casting the right people. Yep. I think yep. that, like, uh, I've, I've kind of, like, you know, in my mind kind of budgeted for cover that base, cover this base, and then an actor will come in and give me a performance I hadn't expected, and yeah. then I go to edit it, I'm like, God, they, they, I hadn't even thought of that, you know? Mm. And That's uh, pretty cool. Again, for the most part, those are our regulars. Yeah. 
Yeah, who, who do that kind of thing? Well, we like the actors who who think before yeah. they come in and, and, and really, really... They're ready to go. Yeah. Absolutely. Right, so... Uh, I question don't know two. Who, <laughs> question two. I don't know who this guy is. His name is Frank. It's, it's a, a Twitter feed. Frank at Left Bollocks. <laughs> okay. Frank, you're already my hero, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start following you the minute I leave this. <laughs> um... His question is, where did the idea for the thread, the thread tying in the jail cell come from? I don't know why I found it very, uh, I don't know why I found it, excuse me, I don't know why I found that very unique. Um, in yeah, in the, the first book, uh, the character have, the character of the marshal, in order to try to make sense of the crimes that are happening in, the, in, in and around the town, because he doesn't have jurisdiction in town, that's the sheriff, but the crimes that are happening outside um, in his jurisdiction as well as the ones in town. He thinks that they're connected in some way. So hmm. um, the reason I came up with it, I should say, the inspiration for it was that um, there has to have been a way to make sense of something. And like what we think of now when we're watching cop crime procedurals is there's like a murder board or right, a crime right. board, you suspect know, board, suspect board, right. you know, uh, uh, and you know, it's not a cork board with a bunch of string tied to pictures and stuff. Right. Uh, but those things didn't happen because we didn't, you know, there wasn't, and at the time that the story takes place, there wasn't a newspaper in Leadville, Colorado. So I couldn't use that as wow. like we have this article about this thing because there wasn't one yet. It didn't happen for like another six months after the initial book. Huh. So um, I fastened uh, fashioned this story about uh, a, a facet, excuse me, a part of the story mm -hmm. is that um, when the marshal is drunk and gets out of line, uh, he gets thrown in jail by the, by the sheriff. Hmm. And when he wakes up, he sees that there's two bars with a string tie between the two of them. And what it was is we, for this little like tiny story about um, a guy who uh, was one, he, he was the town drunk at the time, and he would just show up when he knew he wasn't going to be able to make it home. Like, can I sleep here tonight? Oh, like oh, Otis. Otis. Yeah. That's what everybody <laughs> thinks of. <laughs> from, from, <laughs> from, yeah, from Andy Griffith. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Because the minute I said that, they're like, oh, like Otis. I'm like, huh? And, oh. like, and you don't realize how much... That's embedded you in your from, psyche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, like, there is nothing that is not derivative from anybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, it's all built on your 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 inner uh, personal history, right, people right. you know, things you've seen. Same, right. So I wanted to have like this guy. Uh, he had to have a, a real connection to the sheriff, who continued to let him do this. Um, that uh, this guy, he had been a, he'd worked with metal. He was like a metal worker, you know, engraver and carver, and he. He lost his wife to cholera, mm. and that's what stemmed or started him becoming a drunk. Mm. And um, they had gone out to um, bury her, and uh, to thank him, this old guy, the drunk, um, uh, the character's name is Neil Jepson. Uh, he he carves these handles, inlaid handles for the sheriff for his his guns. For his guns, huh? And so when he, he because he didn't have a picture of his wife. Because they didn't, they were, you know, just didn't have one. He he, yep. he wrote their initials on a bar, his initials and her initials, and he tied a string the two of them, so that would be like his bedside picture of his wife. Wow! And so it he was could a wake memento. Up and, yeah, he could wake up and see her name. And so uh, when the shit, when the marshal wakes up and sees this, he's like, "What's this?" And then the story gets told about who this guy is, and the guns themselves factor into a later part of the story. Mm. 
because the guns, uh, one of the guns gets taken away from the, uh, the, the sheriff. Uh, so, and that's also going to come back in a later book, who now has that gun. Wow. So this gun with all the engraving on it. And so um, the, getting back to this, so the marshal then decides, I'm going to go ahead and um, to tr- he's trying to piece together all these facets of the crime. He has one side of the jail cell uh, is the victims. And then he takes a, and he writes a little, he takes a piece of soap rock uh, and writes like, you know, an initial or a letter to signify the person who's right. the victim of that crime. Okay. And then he ties a string to the far side of the cell and writes the person who he either he thinks did it or he knows did it on the other side. And so at first it's just a bunch of couple of strings and uh, it's all visualization. Yeah, it's his visualization of trying to yeah, make sense of what's going on. That's perfect. So it beca- it becomes maybe the first suspect board. Right. In the history, you know, it's completely <laughs> fabricated, but it was like <laughs> No, yeah, why it, that's kind of cool. That's, that's that very cool. cool. And in yeah. book 2, he decides in order to make sense of what's happening he decides to change the colors of the string uh, and so red means something versus blue versus black versus white and then so he has to explain and the entire time he's explaining it to the sheriff the sheriff is like yeah I get it I still need my two cells put that down like, <laughs> the practicality the practicality of a small western town is that I need to put more than one I might need to lock up more than one person at a time right right, right. and so there's this thing of like him going back I'm like are you done in there no I need that can you cut those things down and so the whole thing of like how this slowly becomes uh, uh, a symbol of the sh- the marshal's inability to let go of things or he's trying to maybe he's trying to create uh, a larger conspiracy that isn't there hmm. um, sometimes you know a guy gets shot it's a guy getting shot right you know and sometimes right. a horse dying is not just a horse dying right uh, or a, or a, you know someone's you know someone's cow turning up dead and so um, and also working on the facet of inter- uh, introducing, um, you know, uh, labor, like with the Chinese, uh, um, the Chinese workers, and having Chinese that like that as another facet too, like the manipulation of labor, and uh, yeah, tackling that. So that put that in there together is kind of like the first suspect board. That's primer. that's nice detail, yeah. mm-hmm. and, and very and the char- and very good uh, uh, character development too. The, yeah, because the, the it, it leads that them it, to argue over whether or not they should even he should even have it. It's not even yeah. so much the practicality. It's like you know, enough with this. Yeah, like, it's mm-hmm. getting out of hand. Yeah, uh, and then you wonder, I'm like, is it getting out of hand, or mm-hmm. is he starting to make sense of things? Right. So, every name that goes on a bar is potentially like that's the next step towards solving the next crime, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, nice. uh, let's see. Nice question three well, it was not so much a question; was the things to mention. Oh, so uh, we got a really nice response on our voicemail. Okay, uh, from a listener who's, uh, I believe, is in Oklahoma, and he r- left his voicemail, and and Matt sent it to me as like a file like you got to listen to this (laughs) and it's this guy and he used to sing like you know he does this he's got this great southern accent like hello my name is you know such and such and my phone number is this and i was like i need to listen to the next alan spencer right away uh, what did he say he said the hook is baited and it's in deep and i need to know what happens next and so i was so taken with this guy i thought he was so awesome i took out his phone number and i went and i called him and i was just like uh you know, hi, I'm. Uh, my name is Michael John Casey, and the uh, author of the Alan Spencer series. Can I talk to you know this guy's name is Robert Blancett, and he was wow. like, and I, I didn't know this, but I was on speakerphone, 
And so I was like, he was like, yeah, and that's me. And he was like, nice to meet you. I'm like, nice to meet you. I wanted to thank you for the way he said a lot of really nice things on the voicemail. And I said, I go, you know, as, as a way to thank you for, uh, for, you know, enjoying our product and for saying such nice things about the storyline and enjoying it. I'd like to know if I could name a minor character after you in my second book. Oh, and that's great. And there was this great. weird pause on the line. And then this woman's voice, who I didn't know there was someone, because <laughs> this one I found out I was on speaker. Right. She goes, I think he going to cry. <laughs> right? And I was like, because he got choked up. And I was, I started laughing. Wow. I'm like, like, you know, oh, no, man, man. I, I'm Do you sorry, still have sorry. this voicemail? Wow. I want to hear it. Uh, yeah. I've got, uh, <laughs> I, I, That's I, I great. Yeah. That one of the characters um, in the false ending, uh, we, uh, I guess say is that last scene in Denver, uh, I inserted a character named Robert Blancid who helps uh, the marshal and his deputy like find out some information about another crime. Nice. So I put Mr. Blancid in there. That is that is yeah. really that's, that's cool. Connect, <laughs> talk about connecting with the fans. Yeah. That's well, I knew I and, and how hear, gratifying like, for you, man. Yeah. Well, okay. his, plus it was like I heard his voice and I heard the nice things he said, but I, as as a, someone who's constantly listening to new voices, I was like. This guy sounds great. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I literally handed that. I sent. I gave that like that uh, the the recording of, of the voicemail, and I gave it to one of our actors. And I'm like, I need you to do a dead Sound on impression like this of guy. this guy. Oh, is was it the guy? I mean, was he playing? Was the actor who was doing he was Robert? Doing, he was doing an impression of this actual guy for the character that was named after. Okay. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like, I need you to do the best impression of this guy you can. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That and is. so the actor came through Gangbusters, and so it was pretty. It's pretty funny. Wow, <laughs> that's a pretty unique thing. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's not that something is. that happens every, every day. day. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know that that's that's something that also when he gets the second book, he's gonna be like, hey. Yeah, oh, that's me. That's me. <laughs> and then he's gonna turn to all his friends. I'm like, you gotta look. You gotta look. No, you can't have my kind. Yeah. You gotta go buy it. You know. And then like, he's got some more sales and like more. So computers. okay, so this is in the second book. That's in the second book. So it's out. Yeah, have we heard out. from this guy? Have you, have you heard back I from him? I have not heard from him yet. I don't know oh. if he's placed his order. Because he, I, th I think he's a, I think he's uh, he's a regular. I think he's a truck driver. And oh, so okay. he buys a bunch of stuff all at once. Right. So I don't know if he's. I should check in with Matt see if he's got yeah. it. Because yeah. then I can just call him back. I'm like, hey, did you hear your scene? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, uh, other things to mention. I want to take a shout out to anyone who's ever listened to any graphic audio stuff and sent us an email to complain about some things. Mm. Because uh, when we first, somebody once complained about like, oh, so-and-so would never have that gun. That gun didn't come out until 1863. Right. And stuff. And I was like, I always thought, well, you know, we're just collecting this from the author. But when it comes to like writing our own stuff, and especially also in adapting, it's on us to make sure we get it right. Get it right. Yeah. So every person who's ever like complained about like a sound effect or this or like you know a, the sound of a car or yeah. whatever, yeah. Thank you and keep us honest because that to me is like I like hearing that stuff. I don't know about you guys. Right. Yeah. Well, feedback of any kind is yeah, is, is yeah. very very helpful. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Something mm -hmm. that um I've never I've been asked a couple of times uh, since the story takes place in Leadville, Colorado. I have never been oh. to Leadville, Colorado. <laughs> it was between two cities, a city in Arizona and Leadville, and I literally like l did all this research on. Did you Google Map it? Uh, dude, I Google Mapped my Wikipedia. Yeah. I went and read every article I, co I could find, like just like basic the history of that right, those individual right, cities. Mm, right. And after a while, I just kind of gravitated toward Leadville. And uh, uh, he's like, after the first one came out, I was at like a, a, a large like a gala event. And I ended up sitting, getting seated next to this this lawyer, this woman uh, who uh, works here as a lawyer, but she is from the Colorado area. 
and I just happened to mention what I was writing and the thing and the thing and the thing. And then finally she goes, I drive through Leadville all the time. And I was like, I'm like, ah, and I, well, this is 1877 or whatever. And I, and I explained to her to her and she goes, yeah, that sounds like Leadville. I'd be um, curious to know how much of the structure is intact, how much of the, oh, the, the modern city... Right. Oh, uh, a number of the buildings, uh, some of the buildings are still there, um, and there are uh, the characters themselves who we've introduced already uh, that are historical characters, uh, like Horace Tabor mm-hmm. and his wife Augusta, uh, all these people who are steeped in the history of this, of this city. Uh, like the buildings that they had built, like the the opera house, or the yeah the opera house, but the uh, the large performance venue, right? That's about to be built, and uh, that's going to factor into maybe book three and four. And um, what a great thing, though! I mean, to, oh, dude, it, 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 it was so much because the like, story part of the story is is it, you just have to transcribe it almost yeah. because you have the structure of events yeah, well, to pretty, build your own story around. Well, all of the crimes, obviously, all the crimes yeah. are fictional. Right. But it was like, because I know the history of what's happening at that time, I'm like, that crime might have, this crime, you know, if I'm, as I'm putting it together, I'm like, this would be a good crime for this situation. Right. And the it's p- close to historical novel, it sounds to me. Yeah, I mean, so it, because like, you don't have a specific historical events, but you do yeah. have, you I do have, have a, a setting, you have an historical a, setting. A historical setting. Right. And um, the, uh, uh, oh, I just had it. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fact that um, there's all this information about you know Leadville that's there for me, right, made it more um, made it more made it easier to to, to write. Um, the, one of the reasons why I picked Leadville also is that Colorado had just become a state, mm-hmm. and so the kind of like horse trading and double dealing and you know figuring out how to become uh, a new part of this country is rooting out some of the corruption or creating some of the corruption right. that then takes place. Um, this is Reconstruction era, so what yeah. the, uh, the what are the ramifications of the well, Civil I talk, War? Well, in book two, I talk about uh, the 15th Amendment, which was the right of all all freed men and all men to could vote. Right. So there is a whole facet of, like, whether or not the uh, one group of people, there's an election in book two, and so whether or not uh, there's a facet of sort of like a mob mentality that doesn't want to let freedmen or Chinese people to vote. Right. So there's there's a whole facet of like trying to like you know kind of uh, um, uh, I guess it's poll bullying, bullying at the polls. And oh that. yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the marshal has to be the face of that's not going to happen here. Wow. Uh, and which maybe probably did happen and never was ever checked. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like yeah. in order to make the story work, there has to be somebody there who like addresses the issue I'm like that's no no you, you can't do that now you're no longer a territory yeah. you're a state which means you have to abide by this new rule which is passed yeah. called the 15th amendment so yeah trying to put that in there to stuff to well they're they're lawmen you want you want your and your and they're heroes really well, that's I mean they're the facets the problems between the marshal and the, and the sheriff that they argue in the first book that like one of them sees things as black and white and the other one sees things as shades of gray right and to me, the trick is that's not always true for everything. No. So yeah. at one point, does the marshal be like, "Yeah, shades of gray," and then the sheriff's like, "No, black or white." Yeah. So they have they're each other is kind of like antagonists and protagonists because not only are they trying to solve this crime and they're both good at one's good at deductive reasoning versus inductive reasoning, mm. but then they're also disagreeing about 
what are we going to prosecute? Who are we going to arrest? You know, yeah, who's, yeah. And then their jurisdictions overlap, so there's a problem there too. Mm. So there's a there's a there's host a, of things. There's, there's a, a wealth big old of mess. There's <laughs> a wealth of of story development there. Yeah. Yeah. Have we have, have you exhausted your list there? Let's see. What do we got in here? Yeah. Thanks, Never been. And that's it. Never been to Colorado. I want to go. I was going to say you have to go now. Well, yeah. I know. And so the really interesting thing is that um, it's it's predominantly it's uh, it's it seems, and this is just from looking at like the uh, um, the real estate values, is that it's all of the like ski sections, like north north and, and oh. west. There's like Aspen and Vail, right. okay, and like because they're a bit away from Boulder, but all up in the uh, in the um, the outside of town is where all the money for all the big expensive like ski resorts are. But the town itself is still this kind of like blue collar, like, you know, it looks like very like, you know, mom and pop kind of place. Yeah. And yeah. it looks like, you know, where everybody knows everybody and it's a nice little town. And I, like, I looked at that and I was like, dude, I don't know why you would spend like millions of dollars to live in some house out in the woods when you you have this little town right here. This town looks so awesome. Yeah, I'll bet real estate is actually reasonable there. It's way reasonable there. And yeah. I was like, to, the, to me, that was what I, I thought. I'm like, that looks like a really cool little place. So, you know, if you happen to be driving through Colorado, <laughs> maybe you should contact the Leadville Tourist Board and they uh, the would Chamber light of Commerce. Me up with all this, like, we were never that criminal. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> terrible things never happened. Like, you know, like, you, that guy never lived. Hey, well, it depends if they want to draw attention to themselves or not. If they do, yeah. then they should there emphasize. There was a heck of a lot. Well, there, yeah, there was a heck of a lot of gun shooting at uh, certain points in sure. the Leadville past, I'm sure, but. Um, no, it, it also, excuse me, uh, uh, is centered around mining because mining was a big thing there. Oh, yeah. And I first was starting to write it like um, the silver boom that happened in Colorado and around Leadville in particular because the town's name changed. It used to be called Slabtown. And oh then God. because of all the lead that they were finding and stuff, they were called Leadville. But then the silver boom happened. And there's areas around Leadville that all had names based on you know, Oro City, because there's a lot of gold there and stuff. And so there's all these different uh, uh, monikers associated with the towns. And the silver boom itself that happened around the time that they became a state was huge for their economy. And, like, mm. mining was a big deal and, like, who owned the rights. So yeah. mining rights is another thing that's, that factors into some of the crime stuff as well as, you know, railroads and everything else. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, this sounds like a, a fascinating series. Uh, yeah. I, I, I encourage, it's not just a shoot 'em up. No, nope, uh, it's not. Uh, it is a crime procedural, uh, like Western mystery. Yeah. And they're linked. So it's not like a stand, like what we find out about certain things and certain characters definitely travels into the next book. And, you know. Well, I mean, the, the big question really is um, when is book three coming? There you go. That is a good question. That's a really <laughs> good question. Uh, book three is in the uh, it's in the early stages, mainly because I have uh, some historical stuff I'm trying to hammer out, uh, certain clues and certain pieces of information uh, I don't all have yet. And hmm. uh, there's a certain when the silver boom happened, certain things uh, the silver was used and silver coins. Silver right. ceremonial coins were used as gifts mm. uh, in, in a, here in the country, much like they are here with like the mint and stuff. Yeah. Right? And so uh, a character is found with one of these coins uh, on them, and that 
has to do with the silver, uh, part of the silver boom and some of the silver that was mined in Leadville. Mm. And so that's got to factor into it. So I'm like kind of building this part of the story that has to do with um, when you're following, not so much following clues or following people, but you're following ore from like, it came out of here, this guy dug it up, but then this guy was stolen from that guy and he got killed and such and such and then it became a coin. Why does that guy have a coin in his pocket? Hmm. Why does he have that coin? So I decided to like, instead of having us follow, I'll have the sleuths or the, you know, the marshal and the sheriff follow a character or follow the money or whatever. They're actually following, they're following the metal mm. as That's a way to like have them find. And so I'm just working through that right now. It's having some, Okay. So. That sounds like a great premise, though. Let's hope. Yeah. Hope it works. Roll yeah. the bones. <laughs> <laughs> See if it's going to work. I'm going to have to rewrite the whole thing. Oh, this is terrible. I'll rewrite the whole thing. Well, that does happen, too. But, yeah, uh, we'll just but change it. We'll change our names, too. Simon and Simon. <laughs> 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 uh, well, hey, well, thanks a lot. Yeah, well, thank, thank you, MJ. This was thank fun. I, 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 I feel like I learned yeah, things great. today, and, <laughs> and, I, and hopefully uh, everybody who's listening to this will, will uh, have learned things, and uh, we'll and see buy the, the books. We'll buy yeah, the books. Buy the books at www.graphicaudio.net. You got to do hey, it right, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say. Right, you're, you're right. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Dwayne. You can cut that part out. Hey, it was, it's bad enough you were reading the questions for yourself. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> Drop your gummy bears. Dwayne, where could one find the fine Alan Spencer series? They can find Alan Spencer and all of our great graphic audio titles at www.graphicaudio.net. Excellent. Well played, sir. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you for listening, people. Uh, I'm Rick Rowan. I'm Dwayne Beeman. I'm MJ Casey. And we're out of here. Peace. All in your mind.